Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online as well. Uh, My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. It's a joy to uh, worship with you here on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, There we go. All right. It's uh, Easter, Resurrection Day. Uh, I don't think the bunny or eggs has anything to do with it, but if you like them, that's fine with me too. All right, here we go. We're talking about the promises of God. Um, there's one promise that I want to draw our attention to. It's there on the note sheet, 1 John 2.25. It says, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. Now, because of that one promise that Jesus died and rose again, because we got that one promise, I believe we receive all the rest of the promises as well. Because how many people know if he didn't If he wasn't resurrected, if he didn't be raised back to life, none of the other promises would really matter because everything else is secondary. Everything else is less important than the fact that our Savior didn't just die, but he was brought back to life. A lot of good people have died. A lot of bad people have died too, by the way, but that's not what we're talking about today, right? But only Jesus came back to life and our God is alive forevermore. Can I get a good amen? Amen. All right, I want to read a few verses uh, before because it's not the text for my message, but it's Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. I can't help but just read those first few verses from Luke chapter 24, uh, and then I'll preach a little bit about some other verses. But it's the very typical early Easter Sunday morning that we read that Jesus uh, was not there, he was risen. So I just want to read it to you. Luke chapter 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. How many people's kids got up very early in the morning? I know ours did. They wanted to see what their mom got for their Easter basket. I said it the way I meant it because I was as surprised as the kids were at what they got. (laughs) By the way, I'm also surprised every time I find out what my wife got herself from me for her birthday. So it's... um, I'm just here for the surprises. By the way, my wife has never returned a birthday present that she bought for herself. How about that? All right, back to the Bible. Probably should have stayed there. But anyway, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices. By the way, how do you know that the women in the Bible were not Norwegian? They had spices. (laughs) That's funny because some of you like ketchup. It's spicy. You know, that's Pastor Dan. Anyway, so... um, about the spicy part, not the woman part. All right, back to the Bible. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they'd prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And these seven words changed the course of history. They said, he is not here, he has risen. That's the great message here on Resurrection Day, amen. 
Now, if you've grown up in maybe a, a mainline church, you may be familiar with this, but in a moment, if you're new to church or you didn't grow up in a mainline church, I, I'm going to give you the answer in advance. I'm going to say, he is risen, and the traditional response would be, he is risen indeed. Okay, it's not a trick question. When I say it, that's what you'll say, okay? So it's not like... I think so. No, no, no. I'll say he is risen. You'll say he's risen indeed. It's those seven words that we're celebrating today. He is risen. He is risen indeed. One third of you, we're still unsure. I told you we're going to do it. We practiced the words and a third of you still missed it. Praise the Lord. That's all right. I still love you. And you can still take a family picture afterwards in the lobby. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 24, let's go down to verse 36. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning as we read God's word together? We'll put these verses on the screen, our theme verses, talking about all the promises of God here today. When we get the promise of eternal life, I believe we get all the rest of the promises as well. Verse 36, the Bible says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Jesus has already been re- resurrected. He's going and appearing to about 500 people. And here we see it as he appears to the disciples. Let's skip down to verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. There's one of those promises, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. We're talking about the promise of eternal life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to gather and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, the one who was and is and is to come. We ask Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm so grateful that the gospel is more than a philosophical sales pitch. It's more than uh, fancy sounding words. It's, as I mentioned, it's way more than a bunny or eggs. It's the proclamation that Jesus can radically change your life. It's more than just make you happy. It's more than just make you healthy or wealthy. He can radically change your life. He can transform you from the inside out. And he offers to each of us, not just a few of us, he offers to each and every one of us this promise of eternal life. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, it's available to everybody, not just a select group of people, not just certain few, but it's available to everybody. Um, One pastor said, the cross sealed our past, but the empty tomb secured our future. I love that. I'm so grateful for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. As I remind you, yesterday, uh, we we watched, our family watched The Passion of the Christ. It's 19 years now the movie came out, but in that movie, it really helped depict uh, that crosses, they weren't really a decoration. This one looks okay. The one up on the the wall, it's got some lights and maybe you've worn a cross as a decoration, a necklace, those kind of things. But it wasn't really a decoration. It was bloody. It was splintery. It was rugged. It was a painful, death-inflicting tool 
that the Romans had perfected, and it was on that bloody cross that our Savior hung and died. But he didn't stay dead, and he came back to life. So the cross wasn't a decoration, but it was a declaration that sin, death, even the grave would not have the final say anymore. People no longer had to worry about what would happen if they got sick and died. People wouldn't have to worry about what would happen next. We can be assured today through the finished work of Jesus that we can live forevermore. Can I get a good amen? All right, but because of that promise of eternal life that's offered to everybody, I believe we get all the rest of the promises of God. So hopefully you got a note sheet on the way in. On the back, it gives you a lot of things that are taking place this month. But I want to give you four promises that I see here in Scripture, this passage that were given to us that Jesus brought with him after he was resurrected. If he had stayed dead, I don't think we'd get any of these things. But because he's alive, I believe we're guaranteed all all of these things. So number one, the promise of eternal life brings peace. Now, I understand many people, maybe even some here today are not experiencing peace, but I want to encourage you that as you leave this place, you can leave with the peace of God. Let me take it a step further. You should leave with the peace of God. Let me take it another step further. God wants you to leave with his peace here today. It's not a random drawing. It's not a lottery here today. Everybody can, should, and God wants you to leave with his peace today. Well, the resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah, was the topic of conversation. If we were to look back in scripture just a few verses earlier, we read the account of the Two men who were walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus was walking with them and they were talking about it because it was the number one thing that people were like, hey, Jesus was crucified. Now we don't know what's going on and they didn't know and Jesus was like, what's up? And they were like, who are you? And if you knew your hearts were burning, did or not? Okay, it was all that stuff. And those two men who saw Jesus after he'd been resurrected, they ran off and they went and told the disciples, they were like, hey, guess who we just went on a road trip with? And I'm imagining the disciples going through an emotional whiplash, but like in a good way, because they had just kind of probably accepted that Jesus, their leader, their savior, the Messiah, he was dead. Like they saw it for themselves. They wept. It was this deal. And now all of a sudden they've got two guys that come and tell them that they met Jesus, that he was alive And it was like, what is going on? And then Jesus walks in while they're talking about it. And he's like, peace be with you. (laughs) Talk about a really cool emotional whiplash. I was trying to think of if there was a time in my life. Now, I admit, don't send me an email. I understand it pales in comparison. But I was trying to think about the last time I had such a powerful emotional whiplash to the good. And it was a little bit over five years ago when the Vikings were playing and we had the Minneapolis miracle. (laughs) That's right. January 18th, 2018. Uh, Was it the 18th? I wrote it down. Hold on. Let me go back to my notes. January 14th. I knew it wasn't the 18th. I was like, it doesn't. Anyway, January 14th, 2018, we were playing the Saints. I say we because I was rooting for the Vikings because I live here now. My wife has always rooted for the Vikings, which means she's had a lifetime of disappointment, but... That's just true. Don't be offended. That's true. All the real Vikings fans can accept that statement. You know what's up. But like a real Vikings fan, my wife saw when we were down by one, the game was about over and it was past the kids' bedtime. She said, kids, it's time to go to bed. 
And so she took him to bed, and I was watching the game. And um, because I've only lived here for eight years. Back then, I'd only lived here for three years, so I still have hope until the final buzzer sounds. But she's like, Derek, once you've lived here longer, I mean, she said, babe. But anyway, I'm Derek, and babe. I didn't want you to confuse about who she was talking about. But she said, once you've lived here a little longer, you'll know good things don't happen to us. So she took the kids to bed and I was watching and Case Keenum threw that pass to, to Diggs and, and uh, he, he, the, the, the Saints player just whiffed. He just like took a dive. I don't know what happened. And uh, she later told me, normally we do that for the other team. And, and it, it just, it went and Diggs went 61 yards and we got a touchdown and we won. They called it the Minneapolis Miracle. I started jumping up and down. I was yelling and screaming. My kids woke up. They didn't know what was happening. And I was like, peace be with you. No, I didn't say that. I was like, we won! We won! It's amazing! You know, I was losing my mind. The dog thought somebody was breaking into the house. And it was emotional whiplash, but in a, a good way. And then we played the Eagles the next week, and we got whiplashed again. But that's, I don't want to talk about that. This is the good part of the story, right? And, but how much more would the disciples have felt thinking Jesus was dead, their savior was in the ground and all of a sudden he walks in and they're like, what is going on? This is the Nazareth miracle. This is what, and Jesus shows up and he so simply and succinctly brings them a promise, brings them an assurance and he simply says, peace be with you. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but I think you have, that our world is in turmoil. People are fighting, groups of people are struggling. So I couldn't think of a more fitting promise to be assured of today than this promise of peace. There's no greater peace than knowing that we can have eternal life, that we don't have to worry about what happens. We can be aware of it, but we know this is not the end. Jesus showed up, said, peace be with you. If you've received eternal life through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, you can and should experience his peace today. In fact, wherever Jesus shows up, peace shows up as well. So when you find yourself, I wish I could say if, but when you find yourself in a situation, a time, a place, a space that lacks peace, why don't you invite Jesus into that situation? Now, let me just encourage those who are followers of Jesus here today, because you've surrendered your life to him, it means wherever you walk up, you carry his presence, and therefore, wherever you are, peace ought to be there as well. So if you find yourself lacking peace far too often, I would encourage you, why don't you ask the Lord to manifest his presence in your life and let his peace reign in your life. The Hebrew word for peace, shalom, does not really uh, mean just peace where there is no storm, where there is no struggle, where there is no turmoil. It really means peace in the middle of chaos. So how many people know in the world in which we live, it's actually, uh, it makes it easier for us to display the peace of God because there's chaos all around. (laughs) We ought to be even easier to spot as the people of God as we carry the peace of God in these situations. So if you've been going through struggle, if things seem to not been going your way, I want you to know on this Resurrection Sunday, Easter, that, that I'm praying you 
have spiritual whiplash today, but in a good way. I know some of you are like, I've had spiritual whiplash before, and I don't want to, I'm not talking about the bad one. I'm saying in a good way, that if you came feeling down, if you came wondering, you can leave assured today that you have peace that only Jesus can bring. Number two, the next promise that we see uh, that eternal life brings us is it brings us perspective brings us perspective. I love that. I, I think we could use a double dose of heavenly perspective today. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. What did he do? He reminded them of what they've already talked about. Perspective helps us with the past, the present, and the future. But sometimes we get so caught up with right where we are and we can't see anything else. Jesus said, remember what I told you? Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He took them back to the Old Testament. He took them back to what he told them. And then he said, right now in this moment, I'm trying to encourage you. So he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He gave them perspective. But when things are challenging, we can get bogged down with tunnel vision. Have you noticed when you're going through struggle, it seems like all you can see is that which is right in front of you. It's kind of like if I walk all the way up to this screen, And I stand right here and I would say, everything is yellow. And some of you are like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. Well, and there's black lines and dots everywhere and I'm getting dizzy because I don't think I'm supposed to be this close to the screen, but it's all yellow. Oh, I just, that, that, that's funny. That's actually a song, isn't it? I didn't think about that, but it was all, okay, anyway. And we're, we're, we're right here and all we can see in our world is this big and we don't have any perspective. But if we'll take a few steps back, we're like, oh, there's a few other colors. And it's like a shape, it's a design. By the way, if we continue to take steps back, all of a sudden we can get a better, a bigger, a higher perspective. As followers of Jesus, we ought to walk with a higher perspective than just what's right in front of us. The reason people are always freaking out is because they have no bigger perspective. If money is your God and your bank account goes down, why wouldn't you freak out? Like sometimes we wonder, we're like, why are people freaking out? Because they don't have any perspective. I got bigger perspective and I'm not exactly encouraged when mine goes down. How much worse for people that have made money their God, their aim, their everything, of course they're gonna freak out. Well, the people who've made their kids progress report, the school report card, what are they called now? I don't know, Um, I should find out, I have kids, but. The people who've made that their aim, just their kids' production, their, their, their value, when, when, when they get a bad grade, of course they're going to freak out. They can't see anything else. And some of the things that we need from perspective is to take a step back and pray and ask God to help us have better perspective. And by the way, we ought to ask friends, trusted friends that we've walked with, some of whom have walked those roads before their kids are grown and they can help give us perspective 
that quarter two biology class is not really the end-all, be-all for their life. Let them fail. Eventually, their boss sure will. So, so if you can pr- take a step back and pray, and that's one of the things that I really recommend about times with prayer with other friends, other believers, people that you're walking with, because there's something that happens when we combine the supernatural perspective that only God can give us and then a trusted perspective from people who've gone and they've walked that road before. Hey, when, when you go somewhere, a new place, this was happening the other day, I was walking through uh, Minneapolis, I was trying to walk to a coffee shop, and the first time I was going there, I didn't have a clue, it felt like I walked for miles. I put it on Google Maps, it was three-tenths of a mile, but it felt forever, <laughs> because I didn't know where I was going. Then coming back, I just thought, was it three steps? Like it was just, it was nothing. Some of you are like, basically it was, it was three-tenths of a mile, Pastor. But anyway, I'm just saying, when you've walked the route before, you can, you understand what's going on. And so we gain perspective in prayer and in talking with other trusted friends, leaders, mentors, partners that have been there and done that. And they can help us walk through. That's why we need to be in community with one another. We need this perspective. That's what Jesus was reminding them of. Hey guys, we've talked about this before. This is not the first time. This shouldn't catch us off guard. And so we would be well served in challenging and confusing times to take a step back, ask the Lord and our friends for a better perspective. So one of the things I love about prayer gathering on on Wednesday night is we pray for the needs that are in our church and in our world because something undeniable happens to my perspective when I set aside time to pray with other people. And I think we really could use more uh, a more heavenly perspective in our sin-crazed world today. But it seems like the enemy, the, uh, our enemy, the devil's trying as hard as ever to blur our perspective, especially in regards to the Bible, right? Which is nothing new. It feels new. But if we go back all the way to Genesis, the, the creation account, we read then Adam and Eve were in the garden and the enemy said, did God really say? So one of the oldest tricks in the book, literally, uh, one of the most frequently that the enemy uses is to get us to question the word of God. He doesn't even have to tell us God didn't say it. As soon as we start, because something that happens, when we question the word of God, we can't help but question the way of God. Because the number one way that we understand his ways is through his word. What we see, what he's done. We've got perspective. And yet, many people today, seems like, Uh, we feel like in the last decade or two, I don't know, you know, it's not about how long, that we've learned more than we have in a couple thousand years. And now we're so much smarter and we've advanced and we set aside the eternal truth, the living, breathing word of God. When we set those things aside and we begin to wonder, did God really say? Then we get clarity. We're like, oh, this is what the Bible says. And we're like, but I don't like it. And we disregard it. Then we're going to lose perspective. So another one of my prayers for each and every person today is if you came in questioning the truth of God's word, if you came in wondering if it would still help you today, I'm praying you leave assured with the promise of eternal life that brings with it proper heavenly perspective. Perspective. Number three, 
It also brings purpose. The promise of eternal life is what brings purpose to our lives. Jesus gives the disciples their marching orders. He said, I'll suffer and rise from the dead. And then you go and preach in all the nations and begin at Jerusalem, your witnesses of these things. But you know, these marching orders, this statement of purpose was for more than just those disciples. It's for each and every follower of Jesus. Now we've got TV commercials that are trying to tell us what our purpose is. We've got products that are being marketed, trying to tell us this is what will bring you fulfillment in life. This is what will bring you happiness. But as some of us can um, attest, we've gone that way. We've gotten that thing and found out it just didn't quite check the purpose box like we'd hoped it would. It didn't really fulfill us like we thought it would. Because Jesus is the only one who gives our lives purpose, eternal purpose, purpose that will matter forever. I mean, you can have purpose for a season, but, but this is purpose that will last, doing what will matter for all time. This account in Luke, Luke was a doctor, and so his account was a little bit different. Matthew was a Jew. So if we look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, it's the same um, account from a different perspective that we just read in Luke. Matthew said it this way, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How many people know if you're going to receive marching orders for your life, if you're going to get purpose for your days, you ought to make sure that it's from somebody who has the power to give it to you. Like, like Lincoln, our nine-year-old, he had said, I am going to let myself ride my motorbike. The bummer for him is the nine-year-old doesn't have any power in our house. None. His mother, on the other hand, lots of power, lots of power. And so, so when she said, you could ride it with a helmet on, he was able to ride it. You know, so when we are receiving purpose from other people, it's important that we inquire, do they have the power to give that purpose to our life? And only Jesus has that power. This is what he said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's so encouraging to know that he's with us. We're not going on this purpose journey alone. We're not walking this thing alone, uh, but he is with us to the very end of the age. And if we're still alive, then the age isn't over. Therefore, he is still with us. And therefore, we can be encouraged with it. But here at Celebration, we're committed to going and making disciples of all nations. Now, we know making disciples begins with making decisions, so we want to help people with that. But it's important. It's our purpose. It's who we are. More than just getting together and making friends. But having good friends, a good circle, it's important, but it's not our purpose. More than just hanging out and making memories, those are important. Take a picture. Some of you will do that when we leave here today. You're going to go, you're going to take a family picture. It's going to be a moment. You're like, oh, that's great, before we were fighting back in the car. Uh, but, but more than just making memories, we've got to live on purpose, and we're committed to going into all the world and making disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus told us to go and do. He said, this is how your life will count. 
This is how your life will matter if you go and live, in, live it on purpose. Now, I remind you, this is both across the street and around the world. It begins with your neighbor, begins with your family, coworkers, begins with where you live, but it, it can't stop there and it can't stay there. It's got to go around the world. And by the way, we can't wait for everybody here to go there. We got to do it all at the same time. That's why we need all kinds of people doing all kinds of things to reach all kinds of people. So, so it's both across the street and it's around the world. But the big thing here is that I'm praying that we all begin to live on purpose, not just on accident as things come our way, not just figure, but we live on purpose each and every day for the glory of God. Pastor Josiah mentioned that in uh, under two weeks, we've got Alpha kicking off and it's going to help you discover your purpose, learn how God made you and what he made you for. Another uh, way to live on purpose, we're going to ask people soon to uh, help people in their first 30, the first 30 days from giving their life to Jesus Christ. And I think it's one of the most fulfilling things you can do with your life is to help other people discover God's purpose for their life. So we're doing things here locally, but we're also doing things globally. You just heard, you know, the group that came back from Cuba um, in, a, I don't know, a month or two or when it is coming up, uh, a group doing a virtual trip to China. And then uh, later this year, we'll go with the group to Kazakhstan and then Israel at the beginning of the year. Whatever it is, I'm just saying live on purpose. When you go to work, live on purpose. When you, you come home, live on purpose. Don't just let things come your way. Know what Jesus has tasked you to do and live on purpose for the glory of God. Number four, and finally, uh, when we have this promise of eternal life, we also know that it brings power to us. This is so important for each of us and I have to kind of unteach maybe a few things as we teach the, the proper thing, but it brings power. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. We're talking about all the promises of God here today. He said, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on, on high. Now, if you're new to church or maybe you don't have the whole Bible memorized, that's okay. Let me just let you know that Jesus was referring to the promise of the Holy Spirit. Some scriptural accounts describe the Holy Spirit as our advantage. After this, uh, Luke, obviously this is Luke's account, then he would also write the book of Acts and, and, and it would begin Acts 1-8, you'll receive power to be witnesses. This is all the explanation. This is the promise that Jesus said. He, he would say, it's actually to your advantage that I go and I'll give you, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. So if it's to our advantage, if the Holy Spirit is our advantage, why wouldn't we want any bit of help that heaven will give us? If, if you're a board game, how many people enjoy playing board games? By the way, if you like playing board games, you should look around right now. Those are your friends. Those are your kind of people. Because if you're not a board game playing person, you don't want to be friends with them. I mean, you could want to, but they're always going to want to play board games. That's what they do. How many people are video game people? All right, look around. Those are your people. Share your gamer tag later, okay? That, that's your people. Board game people, video game people, they don't want to play the same games or at least not the same way, you know? So anyway, you find your people. How many people enjoy watching sports games? That's a weird way to say it. Okay, there you go. Those are your people. We are better in our minds than we remember, okay? I just want you to know that, okay? All of us could have been pro one day, but none of us were, so how's that work? All right, so 
Whatever kind of game you like playing, that's fine. Board game, video game, uh, sports games, any other kind of games. I don't know, but those are the three games I thought of you know, this morning. If you have opportunity to be given an advantage, take it. Like the Vikings, the next time we play the Packers, if they're like, we can play 11 on seven, guess what we should do? Take it. They're trying to give us an advantage. They're fighting. Packers, Aaron Rodgers, they don't like each other anymore. You know what we're trying to do? Let them separate. It'd be to our advantage. I'm pretty sure Jordan Love is not good. By the way, that's not a prophetic word. I'm not saying that's from the Lord, but it is from my heart. That's how I feel about it, okay? So just want to clarify, okay? I'm just saying, but if they're not good, you heard it here first. Thank you very much. But here's the thing. If we can have an advantage in any game, if you're playing Monopoly and everybody gets like 1,500 bucks to start and they offer you 15,000, take it. It's to your advantage to have more money than everybody else. Like, whatever it is, if you're offered an advantage, take it. It'll help you. Let me just say it as plainly as I can. In this life, God is offering to us an advantage. It's the helper, the Holy Spirit. Why in the world would you go through life without the help that heaven has for you? It's power and it's available to us to be his witnesses. You don't need to go through your life on your own. You ought to go through it with the help of heaven. Now, let me just remind you that this power that he has for us is not really an earthly power. It's a supernatural heavenly power to use here on earth, but maybe not the way some people have wanted it to meet right? Some people think that this power advantage is to win against their neighbor. Not you, of course. I mean, people in the nine o'clock service that are less spiritual than you, but, but some people think they have this advantage to be better than their neighbor, to win against their neighbor. But the truth is we're not trying to win against our neighbor. We're trying to win over our neighbor, the Bible says it's God's will that none should perish. Therefore, we ought to use our advantage for its intended purpose, and that is so that people will come to know Jesus Christ. The advantage is to help others hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought not use the advantage for earthly gain, seeking, um, you know, political power, physical power, just trying to be better than somebody else, but so that they will come to know Jesus and spend eternity with him as well. We've been given the Holy Spirit power advantage to be witnesses for Jesus so that we can see our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members all experience life change and receive the promise of eternal life as well. Why? Because if we receive that promise, the promise of eternal life, then we receive all the promises as well. So when you leave today, in a few minutes, we're going to sing a song one more time and Pastor Dan will give us instructions. But on your way out, we want to give you a promises ring, which is way different than a promise ring. I know there's been like some discussion in society and talking about purity culture and different things. By the way, I, I, I don't know. I didn't really personally experience a lot of the problems that some people say. I'm not sure if the opposite of like everybody sleeping around is a good thing either, but I'm not sure. I know it's not, but this is not a promise ring. You don't need to wear it. I'm confident at the price point that we ordered these at, it's going to leave a mark on your finger. 
So like, don't send me an email. The ring left tomorrow. I'm telling you right now, don't wear it. You can if you want to, but it should be a reminder. In the first service, Pastor Dan said, if you see somebody you want to give it to, listen, that's a weird proposal, okay? I'm just saying. Anyway, I was going to say a few more things about that, but I'm going to leave that for a marriage service. Um, keep this as a reminder that it's the one promise. On the back, it said, this was promised us eternal life. But it's a reminder that if you have received the promise of eternal life, then then you should be expecting to receive all the rest of the promises of God as well. It's not just one promise, it's every promise of God. The Bible says it this way, that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. If this promise wasn't fulfilled, that he would die and be resurrected, then none of the other promises would really matter. But because he's alive today, we can be assured that we've got all the promises of God. That when we get eternal life, we get his peace as well. When we get eternal life, we get his perspective as well. When we get eternal life, we get his purpose as well. When we get eternal life, we get his power as well. It's a promises ring. It's plural. It's all the promises of God. But you know, this isn't just found here in this part of scripture. It's not even just found in the New Testament. I was reading uh, a week ago in my devotions in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. I want to read a few verses to you. Um, And uh, they had Moses had died, Joshua took over, and children of Israel, they'd gone and they'd conquered a bunch of lands that God had promised to them, and he gave them favor and victory, and it came time for a distribution of the inheritance, and God was saying, hey, each tribe gets this land. Now, what you need to know is there was millions of people that were going to be given land to go live in, so way bigger than even the Twin Cities, and... um, I I was imagining it took a bunch of chapters, like, I don't know, half a dozen chapters for each tribe to be given their land. And God's like, they get this part and go there. And they're listing them by name. And I just imagined as I was reading, it was multiple chapters. I was starting to feel sorry for the people at the end because they're seeing it and they're like, okay, this land is gone. This land is gone. Is there going to be any land left? Now, before you judge your pastor, because you're super spiritual, like, oh, Pastor Derek, I can't believe I've seen Black Friday sales. And Americans are wondering, is there going to be something for me? Because we live as finite human beings, our default mode, scenario, understanding, perspective is a scarcity perspective, scarcity mindset, that if they get something, then I can't have it. So that's why we're consumed with, if they win, then I must lose. Therefore, if I'm going to win, they've got to lose. We, we view things through a temporary, earthly, finite, scarcity perspective. But then as I was reading, we got to Joshua chapter 21, Joshua 21. I just want to read these verses and I want to bless you with it today because all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. That that if your neighbor walks out with a promise, you can too. That there's not a limited amount of blessings for you here today, but they're all here. The Bible says, verse 43, the Lord gave Israel all the land he swore to give their ancestors and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest 
on every side, just as he'd sworn to them. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. And then I love this, verse 45. I bless you with it today. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45. He says, not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Come on, not one. Every one of them. Jesus hadn't even shown up, been crucified and resurrected yet. And yet we see that our God is a promise fulfilling God. Anybody can make a promise, but a promise fulfiller is noteworthy. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. So that's what I want you to leave encouraged today. Yes, the promise of eternal life. It's the greatest promise of all. And if you're here today, you're not right with God. In just a moment, you can leave forgiven. You can leave changed. You can leave with the most important promise, which by the way, then gives you access to all the promises of God. But maybe there's some who are here today and you've received that promise of eternal life, but, but your life has not reflected the peace that God brings. And I want you to leave assured of that promise that he has for you. Maybe, maybe you're, you're lacking in that perspective. You feel real close to the screen. You can leave with that promise that he'll give you a heavenly perspective or maybe it's purpose, you're lacking it. I just want you to leave reminded, encouraged of what he's created, designed, and gifted you to do. You can walk out with that promise of purpose in your life. You can live on purpose and power. No matter how you've viewed the power of God before you can leave full of his power here today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody here this morning? Nobody looking around. Just want to pray for you today. Want to pray that you leave with all the promises of God, whatever it is that you've been missing, it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus. But most of all, you're here and you say, Pastor Derek, I'm not right with God. I need that promise of eternal life. I want to be forgiven. I want to be changed. You'll join the dozens Friday night and in first service in the building and online say, I want to be changed from the inside out. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right in the man, but in the end, it leads to death. And today you, you recognize, you say, Pastor Derek, I'm on the road that's leading me away from God. I'm on the road that's leading me toward death. And I want to turn around. I want to make a change. I want to receive the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven. The Bible says that you'll be made new. There'll be a change that will come to your life from the inside out. And today you can leave with that promise. And as you leave with that one promise, you'll leave with all the promises of God. When you get eternal life, you get his peace as well and his perspective and his purpose and his power in your life. But if that's you in a moment, I'm gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to boldly raise your hand, join so many others. You say, I want that promise of eternal life. I want it today for me, not just for other people, not people I've heard about, but I want it for me when I count to three. If you're online, we've got prayer partners standing by. You can click that button for prayer and we're gonna pray with you. But before we leave this place, why not be changed forever? Receive that promise of eternal life. You don't have to worry and fear death anymore. You can look forward to eternity with God if that's you. One, two, three. Come on, lift your hand right now across the house. Sure. Sure, sure, wow. You're gonna receive that promise of eternal life today, sure. Thank you, sir, ma'am. I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud. Would you repeat after me? Everybody here in the room, maybe even watching at home, say, dear Jesus, here's my life. 
I give it to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for paying my price so that I can live forever with you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, I also pray for those who've just received this promise of eternal life, but each and every person that's received it before, I pray for those that are in need of peace, that are in need of, they've just been going through struggle after struggle. They've been in the middle of chaos. Things have been going up against doctor reports and financial situations and relationships. I just pray your peace today on their life. I pray you give them a heavenly perspective. Help them to see things as you see them. Bring people alongside that can help walk with them. Father, I pray help people live on purpose as we leave this place, not on accident, not by happenstance, not leaving it up to chance, but help each and every one of us to live on purpose. And Father, I pray that we would receive your help, the Holy Spirit, that we would live with your power. We, we live in these days where people are in need of radical power that only you can provide. So we pray, Holy Spirit, use us. Have your way in our lives so that we could testify, that we could tell others about the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. So even as we pray for great revival to sweep across our land, for many to come to know you, Father, I ask, use us, each and every one of us, to spread the good news of your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm gonna ask the team to lead us one time as we sing this song, as we declare that he is worthy of it all. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.